be like, bring the cows, bring the, the money. <laughs> the dowry. I had a big birthday this year. <laughs> very outspoken. Very passionate about the things. Why do we need this again? I'm trying to understand. It makes no sense to me. But you know, the, yes. you know I'm not a Brit, so I right. can't. Hey guys, it's your girl Basha, and today's Tuesday, so you know what's up. It's time for the Ask Basha video podcast. Today we're talking, our topic is sex versus intimacy, and of course, I don't have all the answers, so not right I had to take a trip to the tri-state area to call in the big guns, and I had to, to help me break it down for you, and today we're joined by Dr. Sadal Ross at the bottom center. Dr. Ross is Trinidadian-American. She's an anesthesiologist and pain management specialist. And as I was reminded recently, a triple board certified physician and currently practices palliative medicine in New Jersey. She's also a classically trained vocalist who uses music to care for patients living with life-threatening illnesses. Dr. Ross's podcast, Prescription and Sound, is dedicated to promoting awareness of healing potential of music. Um, and is available on Apple Podcasts Spotify, and Spotify. I want to also say welcome back to Dr. Stephanie Thompson, who has abandoned us for a while. <laughs> welcome back, Dr. Thompson. Dr. Thompson is a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist at the Institute um, for Reproductive Medicine and Science at St. Barnabas in Livingston, New Jersey. She is an attending physician in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at St. Barnabas Medical Center and board certified in both obstetrics and gynecology and reproductive endocrinology and infertility. Dr. Thompson received her undergraduate degree in Spanish from Wake Forest University, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Salem or Salem? I'm from the Caribbean. Salem, sorry, thanks for that. And her medical degree University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. She completed her residency in obstetrics and gynecology at U New York University Medical Center and completed her fellowship in reproductive endocrinology and fertility at Rutgers, New Jersey Medical School. Dr. Thompson has received many honors throughout her career, her, her academic career, and has actively contributed to the scientific literature in the field of reproductive endocrinology and infertility, Dr. Thompson continues to teach residents and medical students as the Reproductive Endocrinology and Infertility Division Director for Resident Education at St. Barnabas Medical Center. She's primarily located in Hoboken, Hoboken New Jersey, where her practice encompasses reproductive surgery treatment of gynecological endocrine disorders and assisted reproductive technologies including in vitro fertilization and oocyte cryopreservation Woo. okay and listen i i dr thompson also always gives me a, a tongue twist when she arrives on this podcast and i am so proud of that we want to welcome back our occupational therapist on the panel, Leslie Ann Bailey. Um, Leslie Ann Bailey is Trinidadian American. She's an occupational therapist 
and entrepreneur and a graduate of Howard University. She's based in Washington, D.C. And she's also uh, attend. She's also a member of the Howard University. Um, I, I call it that, that prestigious group that the vice president of the United States is, you know. So welcome, Leslie and Bailey. Um, I don't remember your sorority. Anyone can get in trouble for not remembering, but you know. It's OK. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so proud of it. There are many of us. Know that. <laughs> I just want you to know I'm so proud of it. Right, OK. So um, I want to say a special welcome to two new queens. Um, and that is Dr. Marie Romney. Dr. Romney currently serves, and Dr. Romney is at the bottom right. She currently serves as the Vice President of Operations for New York Presbyterian Columbia University Irving Medical Center, the number one hospital in New York and the number four in the nation per US news. Tasked with overseeing a workforce of 1900 plus employees force and an operational budget of 350 million in the aftermath of a global pandemic. Dr. Marie Romney is focused on rebuilding employee engagement, streamlining clinical operations and increasing outpatient volume to drive revenue, recovery, and growth. A seasonal healthcare executive with greater than 10 years of clinical experience, leading multidisciplinary teams. Dr. Romney previously served as vice chair of quality and patient safety and assistant professor in the Department of Emergency Medicine at Columbia University, where she oversaw quality for the department's four e sites and telemedicine program and helped lead the department's COVID response strategy, including the development and implementation of a COVID remote patient monitoring program. Wow. Prior to joining Columbia, Dr. Marie Romney was director of quality, continuous improvement and patient safety for the Department of Emergency Medicine at King's County Hospital Center and Assistant Professor of Emergency Medicine at Sunny Down State Medical School. Dr. Romney holds an undergraduate degree from Cornell University, a medical degree from Robert Wood Johnson Medical School, and a Master's of Business Administration degree from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. A team Steps Master Trainer with Lean Silver Certification, Dr. Romney enjoys leading interdisciplinary teams to drive meaningful change to help improve healthcare delivery. And I have to say that I don't envy any doctor right now spearheading any recovery from COVID. The aftermath, ah, it's, you know, hats off to you, Queen. And next we have another freshman on our panel. Our first dentist, Dr. Gabriel, Gabriel, sorry, Victoria Williams. Dr. Gabriel Williams graduated from Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia in 2001 with a BS in molecular biology. She later graduated from UNC Chapel Hill School of Dentistry in 2005 with a DDS. Currently, she runs her own practice, Piedmont Dentistry Smiles, located in the the University area of Charlotte, North Carolina, which was established in 2011. Dr. Williams is a member of the AJ Williams Study Club and the All North 
State Dental Society. She's married to Elijah. Is it Beatty? Beatty. 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 Thank you for that correction. I should have asked you before. I'm sorry. She's married to Elijah Beatty. Beatty. And they have a four-year-old daughter, L. In her free time, she enjoys traveling and belongs to two book clubs. Ladies, welcome to the Ox Basha video podcast. It's an honor to have you. Um, no one knows the type of technical problems we had prior to this broadcast, which is a first. But you see, when you are in the room with powerhouse, you know, things happen. And thank you for your patience. What I love about this broadcast is the fact that we are all female from different parts of the world, different parts of the globe, yet our issues are the same. Today we're discussing the difference between sex and intimacy. The word sex means different things to different people or genders. When I was a little girl, that word made me cover my mouth and I attach a feeling of shame to the word sex. No one talked positively about it during those days. And I feel like if I had received proper sex education and a proper definition of the word, you know, I would have had a healthier perspective. So I'm going to call on my favorite, don't tell the rest of them, Dr. <laughs> Stephanie Thompson. I feel <laughs> as though I haven't seen you for a long time. I know. With you. Well. I'm starting with you. Welcome back, Queen. Okay. Thank What's you. Up? Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you as usual. And we, and we want to talk about this difference between sex and intimacy. Um, start us off. Like, let's get the dialogue going. Let us not be afraid to talk about things that are a normal part of life. And I feel as though we have doc medical practitioners or medical practitioners today. Um, so you all are the best people to handle this discussion responsibly. I think so. So, I mean, you, you started off with sex is a normal part of life, but it's been so stigmatized in many mm -hmm. cultures um, and women's you know role in, in sex and how we should feel and approach it through for since the beginning of time, right? So yeah. uh, I don't know that any of us, and everyone can speak for themselves, but in our generation, um, you know, especially me coming from a West Indian family, it was a taboo to talk about sex. Um, you know, my own- Cover your mouth. Right, my own brother is a gynecologist <laughs> and would tell me that his model of the vagina, which is a proper term that we should use, right, mm -hmm. is uh, was an ear. <laughs> and so it's a, it was not, it was proper anatomy, uterus, fallopian tubes and ovaries. And he told me that it was an ear, um, you know, that as a, even as a professional, you know, they're mm -hmm. uncomfortable, your parents are uncomfortable talking to you about sex. Um, and, you know, when it comes to sex versus intimacy, um, I look at it as a physical difference, right? Sex being the mm -hmm. act versus intimacy being everything that may or may not go along with that in terms yeah. of your closeness to someone else. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, I agree with you totally. Um, sex can be a part of intimacy, but intimacy doesn't have to be a part of sex, yeah? Right. And I wanna go ne next to one of our freshmen, Dr. Marie Romani, joining us, joining us live from Columbia University. She didn't make it home. So we may hear some New York City sirens, yeah? <laughs> yes. 
Thank you for yeah. having me. Oh, it's um, our pleasure. So you want me to follow up on what um, Dr. Thompson was talking about? Yeah, your own impression, especially, um, yeah. I think it's important to make reference to the fact that I know Dr. Thompson and many of us on the panel have some amount of Caribbean origin. And, and even though you may have been born here or whatever, you, you're still raised as though you, you came from the Caribbean. So most of us would cover our mouth at age five, six, seven, eight, nine. And I see Dr. Ross laughing and I know she'll bring that perspective as, long, as well as the others. So <laughs> just give us your perspective of it and as so we can take it in a healthy direction for the young men listening to this broadcast. No, definitely. I think my experience was similar. Um, I'm of Haitian descent, so also of Caribbean origins. And sex was always spoken about in a way that, you know, inquiring about it meant that you were being fast. Um, you know, it's not <laughs> something that girls should be interested in talking about. Um, even references to sex, as I remember it as a child, seemed like, you know, women being involved in it were looked down upon in a certain way and it just wasn't a word that I felt comfortable exploring with my family so you have to go figure it out on your own and yeah. Lord knows that's not the best way to learn about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, anybody else learned about it a different way? I'm sorry, I think I may have cut you because of our delay. Okay. Continue. Con no, no, continue, no, no. continue. You get No, 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 but I was going to say, yeah, but intimacy is a completely different thing. And I, you know, I would even go as far as saying, I don't think intimacy is even just limited to um, your relationship. I, I see intimacy in close friendships. It's yes. again, um, a space, allowing that space of vulnerability, feeling seen and accepted as you are. Um, I love that. I love a that. lot more, like a more palpable feeling, I think, than, yeah. than anything yeah. you could I love that. Talk. I actually I didn't think about it that way when when I was doing a research on the topic, but I love that um, definition. And I want to go to our next freshman, Dr. Gabrielle Williams. Welcome, and just get right into it, dive in. Tell us about your perception from childhood to now, and what was your experience with the words intimacy, sex, intertwine, whatever. Well, I would like to kind of piggyback on um, what everyone said about how sex wasn't discussed, particularly if you were a girl. And one thing that I always like to do when I think about my childhood is I had a, um, or have a fraternal um, twin brother. And so mm. one thing that was always obvious to me was the differences that parents make when they're raising their boys versus their girls. Um, mm -hmm. he had a lot more freedom, you know, we're the same, the exact same age. He's not like he's an older brother or anything like that. <laughs> You're and a twin. He was just, yeah, he's my twin. So like, like <laughs> in, in terms of like permission and the, the time that it's okay for you to start dating and, and those things were a lot earlier for him than they were for me. And I always felt like the burden of chastity is always, you know, um, with females, um, I don't necessarily think it's right or, or because, you know, um, heterosexual sex involves uh, a female and a male. So they're two participants. And so um, I never really understood that or, well, I understood it, but I never really agreed with it. Um, mm -hmm. And as far as intimacy goes, I do, I would like to piggyback and say that I agree that there are, um, a lot of ways to be intimate with someone. 
um, without necessarily having intercourse or sex or anything like that. I think there's um, a lot of emotional connection that goes on with being intimate with someone. Yeah. So I think that most of us, and, I, and as I move on to our other commentators, feel free to add something that, that you may, may wish to add to the definitions as we go along. But I want to move on to um, Leslie Ann Bailey and ask her about, you know, you had a Caribbean upbringing as well. Um, right. And we're now all adults. And I think the things that we can all associate with and <laughs> that might make us chuckle or or stews, right? <laughs> Which is right. the sucking of the teeth for our viewers and listeners who may not be acquainted with that word. But Cecily, what was your first impression and feelings about the word sex growing up? Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was raised by grandparents, so it wasn't exactly something that was discussed at all. It's in a very similar, I, I see the similarities even for those raised by their parents. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, in in terms of just me just really finding out about it, it's, it really could more so in, in the school environment, the academic environment, where the nuns just kind of presented a perspective of just don't do it. And that was it. <laughs> and because we listened, that, you know, that, that was the extent of sex education for me. And, yeah. you know, believe okay. it or not, I was fine with that at that stage. You, oh, I was like, it didn't you bother fine me. with that? It, in my younger years, it you know yeah, it didn't, didn't bother really, any I didn't, of us if we don't know anything else, you know. Uh, what can right. We say, you know? Yeah. So later on in life, when you 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 tend to learn more about it, it I honestly felt like it probably would have been mm -hmm. best to have conversations around, you know, honest conversations mm -hmm. about the topic. But um, you know, I, I believe that there's you know some some level of of you know not necessarily being comfortable. The adults just didn't yeah. necessarily want to have these discussions with us for whatever the reason, you know. And as yeah. We, as I changed, as, as, you know, became, you know, I got to that age where, you know, uh, uh, womanhood was coming, you know, to the forefront, you know, it was addressed even, you know, it was, it was highlighted that it's even more important to just not engage in sex, whatever that was. I didn't know what it was. So it was fine once again. Wow. So Dr. Ross. I've saved the best for last because your face is so animated on this topic. Give it to us. Let us have it. What was your, what did the nuns tell you? Like, <laughs> what was your first impression of, of, of sex and intimacy and so on based on childhood? Because we're getting to a larger point, but it starts with the childhood. Yeah. yeah. So sure. I mean, <laughs> I'll just give you a little taste of what it was like at home. Boys and girls had this had the same name for their private parts for their oh. the, the vagina. The same name. The penis was a Charlie. Everybody had, had a Charlie. Charlie. I had a Charlie. My brother oh, had, had a Charlie. Charlie too? <laughs> How's that possible? How's that possible? That's a of itself is telling of what was happening at home. Right. You go to school now, Catholic school in particular. Right, mm -hmm. because raising a Catholic family in, in mm -hmm. elementary school, there was I learned about sex from friends because mm -hmm. it's, we certainly weren't talking about it at home. So did I, so did I, right? and some <laughs> things that I learned. Wow, <laughs> I would try to go home and talk about them, and I would see my mother's face turn bright red, and she would like almost hit me roof. <laughs> And she would forbid me to ever, to, she would say, you must never talk about those things. Mm. Oh my God. Those things are very bad. <laughs> <laughs> I 
continue to talk about those things, I have to talk to the principal. <laughs> All right. Fine. Oh my. We get to secondary school now. So we're, you know, ages 12 to 18. And as Leslie Ann Bailey was saying, the, 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 the emphasis was on abstinence. That was the focus. Mm. Right? When we all know so that still many of us, yeah, many, of, many girls that I, many, many young women were already exploring Actually, yeah. the sexual, yes, exploring mm. the, the sexual side of themselves and had developed, mm. you know, a, a sexual identity which may or may not have been acceptable or accepted, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. But certainly that was a part of, of, of the development that nobody was allowed to express and explore, which is, was really unfortunate. It really was. And so I remember up until my late, <laughs> my adolescence and perhaps late teens thinking about sex as the funky stuff. Like my, yeah. some of my friends and I used to call it the funky stuff and we used to kind of, Look down on girls who we knew were sexually mm. active. Yeah, they you were know? doing the nasty. Yeah. Yeah. They, they mm -hmm. were doing the nasty. Yeah. As though uh, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 really unfortunate that that that's how that we were raised that way right. to not appreciate yeah. this part of of, of our existence. Right. That you know what I find totally so crazy. I mean, especially in West Indian culture and also in Black American culture and and in general music mm -hmm. and television and entertainment it revolves around sex so much absolutely especially music yeah. especially Caribbean. Oh, especially look at music Carnival. look at Carnival. It's like Trinidad. right mm -hmm. like, all the double sensual dancing and the way we dress mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. and this hypersexuality to a certain extent on one absolutely to have no sexuality on the other you know, yes. it makes absolutely no sense to me. I think mm -hmm. all the no, women develop a healthy sexual identity. Otherwise, you're going all the way over to the left or, you know, or to the right. And it, it's so true. nuts. But how can you not talk about it when it's like surrounds you? Yeah. yeah. It's a normal so part wanted, of life. Very good point. To, um, I wanted to make a point to, to Dr. Russ, who may need a new name as a child, for, you know, or oh, any other girl out there who's being told that it's a chali. I mean, the other Seriously. name that was used was a, I don't know if you're familiar with this as Caribbean people, but the other name that was used was a powder box. But, oh, I thought <laughs> the butterfly. You're a butterfly. Oh, oh you had a butterfly. I a butterfly. A butterfly. Yes. I didn't yeah. hear the powder so box. It was a powder box. I guess you stored powder there. So <laughs> it was a nicer oh, word to say Lord. than a vagina. <laughs> and I am sure that anybody going to the doctor's office, and if the doctor were to refer to your anatomy as a powder box or a child, you would run so far from that doctor. You would run out of that office because you know what's right. You would run so far, right? So I think we have established, especially like an all-female panel, I'm sure Dr. Williams will come back on, for some reason, we lost her, but we're waiting on her to rejoin the podcast. But for some reason, um, we, as I always say, the central theme of this podcast, grew up in different parts of the world with the same training. Absolutely. Because I haven't identified anybody on this podcast um, saying that, oh no, my mother or my grandmother or whoever sat down and had a healthy discussion. <laughs> and you know what was weird for me over the years? When they actually tried to have a discussion with me as an adult, it was extremely awkward. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know what's right. very awkward is watching things like Bridgerton with your mother. Ooh. <laughs> no, 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 And at that point, you're an adult, and they're laughing, and you know, and you are the one who's embarrassed now. No, 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 no. No. Well, I have to say, that, was... you know, Bridgerton had got me very aroused, so that would be very difficult for me to watch a Marvel. But we did not know that was coming, okay? Oh! You just decided to watch the show. You didn't know anything about it. Uh, <laughs> no, so in terms of, I want to touch a bit on, on like, you know, uh, Dr. Williams is back. <laughs> Welcome so. back, Dr. Williams. <laughs> Sorry about yeah. that. So we, I, you missed a, a core part where we, I think you got a gist. We've all been scarred yes. with a lack of discussion or discussions that ran parallel to the real discussion. So they actually felt that they had a discussion by saying, don't do this, don't have it, instead of discussing what it actually is. So just to get back to, you know, we come based a panel of clinical um, practitioners. You know, would you like to tell us, Dr. Romani, would you, if you, any mother of a teenager, an eight-year-old, a child about to start a mental menstrual cycle right now, what would be your best advice to a mom or even a dad? Because some dads are raising kids on their own and they really don't know how to navigate such discussion. What would be your direct advice as a medical practitioner and as a woman? But maybe they will take it from a medical practitioner. Yeah, you know, um, what I want to say is, you know, Seth, Dr. Thompson made reference earlier to, you know, the how there was so much hypersexuality in the news and in music um, versus what we were learning at home. The one distinction that I would make is even in that context of hypersexuality, it's to me, at least from my vantage point, it seems from the perspective of pleasing men or attracting men, and it's not really about your own sexuality. And so the advice that I'd have for parents, mom, dad, whoever, even before we get to the sex part, let's talk about self-pleasure, Let's talk about what's important to You're you reading mine. as a woman, right? <laughs> yes. Because um, I think it took way too long to realize what I needed needed to be on the table as well. You know what I mean? And so that's what I would encourage. I mean, age appropriate. You know, mm -hmm. um, in fact, a, a, a friend of mine was just saying, you know, their their son was woke up with an erection and was asking, like, you know, what's going on, young, and so took that opportunity to say, hey, you know. Do you notice like when you touch yourself, it may feel good. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. To give them yeah. the space to not feel like you're doing something wrong and exploring yourself because how do you expect someone else to know if you don't even take the time to know yourself? So I just want to pick up on this because this, you know, self-confession is good for the soul. Um, <laughs> as we as we, we kind of braised self -explo um, sexual exploration, which was not allowed where I came from. Right. And I discovered <laughs> I discovered that that was actually a necessary and healthy thing somewhere in my late 20s, <laughs> because I remember my husband saying to me, so you all didn't um, you, you never explored yourself when you were in your teens. I'm like, explore myself. You're crazy. Masturbation is a sin. This is a sin. I started to, he's like, oh, hey, Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you, right? <laughs> like, Don't you get don't you tease my religion he's like so no honestly nobody told you that i was okay i'm like that never happened he said but such a you came from such a 
culture when sexuality right. reported. You know, people whining in the road, carnival. I mean, they have one the least Asian. You're telling me that those girls there, y'all never see who I can tell you, I can talk, I can count like three out of five fingers how many women from my country who I grew up with that I was comfortable having a conversation about sex with. Mm -hmm. They're very sensual dressers, but nobody speaks about their sex life, but it's good or bad. Because they were trained to be zip. Mm -hmm. Can you relate? Yeah. Dr. William, you know, what what reference do you have to sexual to, to, to sexual exploration as from, from your upbringing? Because I mean, I haven't heard you reference Caribbean parentage or anything like that. I could be wrong, but I'm not sure about that side of your no, heritage. No, um, I was raised um, in the American South, and so uh, very very conservative um, mm -hmm. values, and so. Um, from a religious standpoint, um, masturbation and self-exploration were things that were um, highly frowned upon. And mm -hmm. again, uh, there are a lot of messages of my upbringing that um, don't necessarily make sense to me now and that I don't know that I'll pass along to um, my children because um, I think it can be kind of detrimental to their development and happiness. Um, yeah. I think that... Um, self-exploration as you all said you know once you you know once you started doing it you were probably like oh, why have i not been doing this longer and, <laughs> um, and so yeah. i think that having a you know having a conversation again an age-appropriate conversation about this being okay and that um in fact you know being and also just for women um it seems as though a lot of times you feel like sex is something that is done to you, not something that like, you know, you're kind of raised to think that you're an active participant, that you should be enjoying it as well. And so mm -hmm. um, talking about it, particularly with our girls at Good a younger point. age, I mm -hmm. think it's going to be really, really important um, just because I, I mean, it, and then, you know, you turn around and, you know, the goal is marriage. And so... <laughs> You know, Why does it need to be so, Okay, let's keep talking. <laughs> I mean, in the southern in, in the southern mm -hmm. U.S. when I was growing up, the goal. But no, everywhere yeah. else. I'm, I, I was okay. just being sarcastic. Everywhere else, I pretty <laughs> oh, much. Right. Would you exactly. say that? The others, yeah, it was a goal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So parents raise their kids so, with the expectation that they'll get married, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, that, that it should happen in marriage. Know, that it should happen in marriage. Yeah. And then sure. it should happen yeah. in marriage, but then you we have no no baseline and so Correct. we're just kind of figuring you know yeah agree. so, yeah. It, so. It, it's like as i said it's like somebody read this there's this invisible manual sometimes i like it's a bible i don't know if that's the appropriate analogy but it's the best i have to offer but um we don't know each other we didn't grow up in the same parts yet we got the same upbringing as women you know a lot of um Yes. Inconsistencies, double standards, everything attached to shaming us. We, we must reduce ourselves to, you know, it's just something that bothers me and continue. I'm here in the New York City siren. Are you all hearing that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yes, NYC is back, baby. So, <laughs> um, 
you know, I want to talk about the importance of sex versus intimacy in a relationship. Because why I started with the childhood is when we eventually marry these guys and we were raised differently, then we come into relationships or marriages with people who were conditioned differently, who actually think that sex is intimacy. And, and the women who think that too, by the way, because if sex wasn't handled properly, then we can get it twisted. I would be honest enough to say that perhaps in my early 20s, I thought so as well, you know? Um, but is sex more important than intimacy in relationships? And if not, why? And the question is up for grabs. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll take a shot at it. I, I don't know that. So, okay. Is one more important than the other? I'm not sure about that. I feel that for me, and I'm talking from a completely personal perspective. Mm -hmm. I cannot have a lasting, meaningful sexual relationship with my husband if there's no intimacy in our relationship. Dito. I mean, God knows, like, it's very possible to just have sex with no intimacy. I mean, that happens all the time in mm -hmm. other relationships. Yeah. Um, in many in relationships. marriages, too. In many <laughs> marriages, sure. The sexual act occurs with no intimacy. You know, mm -hmm. there's no vulnerability. There's no, here I am, take all of me. I give all of, I give my entire self to you. You, you know, here I am, the good and the bad and the indifferent. You know, mm -hmm. I am totally committed and, and opening and offering all of myself, right? Yeah. Um, to create that kind of not only physical closeness, but emotional and even spiritual connection as well, right? And for yeah. me, that, that is necessary in order for me to have a healthy sexual relationship sexual. Yeah. That, that can last. So to summarize and to make sure that we are not misunderstanding you, for you it's a deal breaker. Sex cannot come without intimacy. That's what we're saying. There are some moments, some nights when I just yeah. <laughs> when you just want to, to you just have to release. Someone. You just need a release. You just need a release. <laughs> yes. But I still gotta wake up at five in the morning. <laughs> yeah. There are those yeah. moments. There are those yeah. days, those nights when you just want to release, yeah. But as I, but I'm saying for a sustained, yeah, healthy sexual sex life with my husband, yeah. the intimacy must be there. So that's why I want to qualify that release because that type of release in a in a in a marriage is quite different because intimacy was is 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 there on a sustained basis. Correct. You know that depends from a chick saying, you know what, tonight I need to release. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say even when I have those moments, if there's no intimacy, then I have a hard time with that, with carrying that yeah. out. Me too. So the intimacy is there, the foundation, right? Yeah, yeah the intimacy is there. It doesn't because you have to be able to trust the get, person. Right. Not because you get you know? treated tonight with, with a <laughs> with a long with a um a life partner. It means that there's no intimacy. I think that that's that's what I get out of it. Um, but I wish I felt more like um, the intimacy didn't matter sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
Because you that's how much. That, you know, Dr. Thompson, you can work on that, you know. <laughs> and I require to reprogram it. I think that's part of how women are programmed. Right. I was just going to say. Right? I mean, men are not Yeah, it's a social construct. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. totally a social construct. And how can you redo that at 40? Yeah. So, so are we saying therefore? Absolutely. And I've had to was kind that, of work on myself. Yes. I said, give yourself permission to be selfish. Which, I, which exactly. I've learned to do. Which I've learned well, to do to some extent. We're working on that. Some of us are working on that. Can I just say yeah. one thing? Because I think yes. Steph, just, I mean, Dr. Thompson, just one, my apologies. I keep calling her Steph because we're very no, good friends. But this yeah. is Dr. Yeah. Stephanie Thompson. <laughs> um, but I think it is, it's about, I think the way that we're raised as women, you're kind of waiting sex is on men's terms. And so therefore, sex on men's terms with no intimacy, you start to feel like that dirty girl your parents talked about. Yeah. But if you can flip the cards, right? And it's like, no, 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 I'm, you're gonna need to do this because I have a need and yeah. you care enough to be about what I need right now. I think sure. that you switch like your thinking so it doesn't yeah, have like to feel that. like, like you're that. just say giving, again, you're, you're taking. <laughs> <laughs> I would say we just have to flip the script. Sometimes you gotta take it. I think it's who is who is the dominant person in that interaction that can make it feel different. I think women are historically, traditionally the submissive one in a sexual relationship. So then when there's no intimacy with it, you're just left feeling kind of used, right? But if yeah. you're the one like, oh no, I got a need. We've got ten minutes. Let's go. And it does. <laughs> It's actually, that's some, that's listen. Correct, and that is so thrilling and so invigorating. Listen, let me. We can talk more, but we can have a whole podcast on that. Okay, well, it's going on right now. I mean, I'm yeah. Please don't hold back on me. Remember, I've missed out on a greater part of my um my my sexual grooming for my years. It was dirty. Now it's naughty. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. no, no, no. You, you wanted to say something, Dr. Williams? <clears throat> I said that, um, you know, kind of doing what Marie, I mean, uh, Dr. Rom, Dr. Marie Romney and um, Dr. Mm -hmm. Seidel Ross said is actually a very empowering experience, um, kind of taking ownership of like your pleasure and yeah. um, letting your partner know what pleases you. And again, getting out of the mindset that like, this is something that is done to you, but actually I'm an active participant and mm -hmm. um, I'm going to take a little bit of responsibility and ownership of my pleasure is, is actually a very, you know, mm -hmm. empowering experience, especially if I it's mean, something that you're not accustomed to doing. We, uh, it may sound like a joke to some listeners and viewers, but if I'm to be honest, it really isn't a joke. It's, it's just a core part of our life. We run a, a lifetime, a lifestyle platform that we like to think it's very forward thinking and we we are not afraid to deal with hard topics and this is one of those topics i mean what amazes me whenever we talk about things like this is really just the the impact that our bringing has had on our relationships the way we navigate our relationships you know for those of us who've been you know we grew up and we had this idea that we we're going to go to medical school like in my case i had to go do my my first degree and my master's and i was like yeah and after that i'll be perfect i always say that and all these things were missing along the way so here i am seasoned professional get married today prince charming and then we both have different 
pathological <laughs> construct, <laughs> if I can put it that way, because that's the only way I can, I can really describe what I just stumbled upon in my more mature years. And I was like, shit, nobody taught me this in school and nobody taught me this at home. And sex isn't bad. And, and I was made to feel as though I had to abandon my personal desires as though it was a shameful thing instead of something that was actually mentally healthy that would have led to greater happiness and, and greater intimacy and greater everything. But nobody right. talked about it in a healthy way. Did you, did you do you feel me? Um, Bethany, so, yeah, I do feel you. I, and and I, I can relate on many levels. And, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm a bit closed off from just even communicating on, and on that level, you know, just as you said, with girlfriends or even with my own partner. So it, it is great to, to hear the doctors all present, you know, this perspective, because I think it's important yes. to hear it. And because the programming yeah. comes from childhood. Exactly. And it's bad programming. So we have to change yeah, the channel. So that's right. I have to be reprogrammed. So, so I call you tomorrow to talk about sex. You ready to talk to me about mm, uh, it? That's a little soon. But, you know, give me some time. <laughs> take time. Take time. Take right. time. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think we're all saying the same thing. I mean, sex is very uh, important to us, but it's it's really meaningful when it when it comes with intimacy. And, and if we were absolutely. to communicate this to our partners, who may not have been programmed that way, you know, men are very visual. They're ready to go on site. I'm like, talk to me, talk to me. He's like, I don't want to talk. <laughs> Who wants to talk? <laughs> no time for that. Let's talk. Let's get there. He's like, we're there. <laughs> <laughs> But that's just, but when you when you figure out that language, you wield so much power in the relationship, right? Because they're so simple in a way. <laughs> right. Um, Doctor, call you tomorrow. I need more counseling in that regard. <laughs> I'm now reprogramming, and I just discovered what my problem is because you know, I don't have like all of these phenomenal queens available to me to to have an open discussion. Very few women, like I could think about three on one hand. You know, like, so you've been living with this construct of, I should be ashamed to talk about this. This is inappropriate. This is all the things that are not necessarily true. And as a woman of a particular age at a particular stage, I'm still working through the things. You know? Um, yeah. So on that note, how has your attitude towards an opinion of shifted through the years? You know, Dr. Russ, I'm talking with you. Would you say it has shifted where you are now? Where are you now, sorry, with regards to this? And oh, yeah, um, definitely it has shifted. Uh, I know it's no, I no longer refer to it as the funky stuff. There's nothing dirty <laughs> about it. It is a natural, normal part of life that is to be enjoyed, just like other aspects of my life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and because I am in a safe relationship with my husband, mm -hmm. I feel... I can be vulnerable with him. We've worked on that. I've made significant strides in that regard. Mm -hmm. I, um, I also feel safe kind of exploring kind of other ways of enjoying ourselves. Yeah. You know, again, things that I would never have done or even considered 
I don't know, three, four, five years ago, because hmm. I was still kind of operating under this mindset that, you know, the old programming, even if yes, and that this was the act, and this is how you do the act, and you know, this is the way it's done, and that's it. Kind of very straight laced, very cold, very clinical. Nothing fun about it. Yeah. So no, no, no. Now we are having a lot of fun. Oh, now we. <laughs> Now we are into, you know, various ways of, of enjoying, of enjoying right, each right, other. Yeah, so I'm just going to keep it. Yeah, keep it at that. No, I might sound as though I'm poking fun at you, but I'm really saying that I'm really proud of you because I know the programming you've had, like coming from the Caribbean. And I am very open to a different programming as well. Yeah. You and know, I feel bad for having judged uh, my a lot of my contemporaries. You know, when I when we were in secondary school, yeah. you know, and during our adolescence, I remember I was that judgy girl. Yeah, nobody judged the guys for having no sex oh, too early. No, 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 that no, no, was no. them getting experience never. to be ready to. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Imagine I was that judgy girl. Having these experiences with right, exactly. The, 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 the rest was judging. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those two, those girls, those girls, those girls yeah. <laughs> who, who clearly had sexual exploration at the right age, so they're not in midlife crisis now. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, Dr. Romney, would you say that, um if the sex is gone, the marriage is over. I've often heard that. And I and I would love all of the women to answer briefly as you know, as we go towards the end of this broadcast. Would you say uh, that? It depends on the reason behind it. I think no, oh, we're not talking about biological oh, okay. yeah, I forget, I forget <laughs> I'm talking to doctors. Sorry. We're not talking about <laughs> issues regarded to medical to, um, physical, medical, medical physical impediments. Like we're not talking about that. That is to me till death do a spot. That has but we're talking about healthy individuals who are just not interested to be together that way. Yeah, I mean that's that's tough. Um because it's a form of rejection, right? Yeah. If you're saying everything is working, but yeah. it's just not working for me. <laughs> no, no, no. Please don't tell us that you're giving me advice. Everything's working over here. The no, but I, I think so. You know, I think that's where it's coming from. Um, yeah. it's, it's what um, Dr. Sibel Ross was saying, you know, it's all of you. And that yeah. includes um, the sexual intimacy. And so if that's been cut off or has dwindled, there's a problem. There's definitely yeah, a, a problem. problem. People say marriages like that all the time. Yeah. And I, and I, and I ask that enough. question to you guys, particularly for that type of person who's listening, who may feel because of their programming, their childhood mm -hmm. programming, and they're probably still on that channel, that they have no one to talk to about this. And, 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 and on the download, they're listening to this, this, this broadcast, as they often do, to get some answers. I brought in the big guns. You all are the experts, the medical experts. Let them know, is your marriage working if your sex life is over and everybody's tool is function? They're Charlie's. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Thompson, what do you think about that? 
I mean, I think that, um, I mean, the short answer for me is yes, it's probably over. Um, the longer answer is if there is a mutual agreement that you all want to live a sexless life, then that may work for some people. But I think it's very difficult to truly assess that about someone because they may not want to hurt you or disappoint you. Yeah. Um, so they may not be completely honest about that. But it would have to be a completely you know, mutual decision that that's how you all wanted to live. And I think that would be extremely rare because someone, you know, if you've got differing needs, I mean, if we're talking like completely sexless, mm -hmm. then it's very unlikely that both people want that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to ask um, Leslie, I mean, a question particularly since she has the most interaction with the education system. Um, do you think that sex education should be handled by the school system um, or parents? You know, um, I'm putting the question to you first. Um, well, I think if it's, if that's a tough call, you know, you know, in terms of should the school system be the one to address, you know, sex education versus parents? Mm -hmm. If it's being addressed from this, this biological perspective, I'm fine with it being addressed within the school system. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like some of these conversations really need to begin at home. And yeah. parents should really, you know, take ownership to that, to being able to start addressing, you know, these these concerns at home and sharing mm -hmm. with the children and helping them to understand, the, you know, in a, in a comfortable way for the parents as well. Um, but in terms of just being able to understand your anatomy and, you know, just the functionality of, of you know, that's a biology the, class. You know, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. it's it's. But the, I think you know where where we we it's, it's difficult to to address it with children is just as you said the intimacy portion of it. Maybe the procreation is one thing that you can be able to discuss yeah. with them. Yeah, biology. And then they can grow that. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Before it's, I go to Doctor Williams, I also want to add that it it becomes. Um, I think based on the. It's not new. It's just more open. Our right. our new our awakened um, perspective on sexuality among our kids also puts as a different layer because sexuality is not necessarily heterosexual, or you know we have so many different mm -hmm. layers now, um, and and some of that we we will address going down on this, going down the road in this podcast, but that also tells me that that might be the parent's responsibility because we're not all dealing with a heterosexual child and we have yeah. to respect all of, of absolutely of all persons on the sexual spectrum so to speak um so for me i would say my vote is i'm gonna handle my kids if i feel i'm not able i'll get professional help to do that mm -hmm. i don't want to rely on it but but i you know what do you think dr williams um, well, I think that at a minimum, the the biology aspect should be taught because um, we, you know, I think that a lack of knowledge about those things leads to, I mean, I don't have any figures, but an increase in like teenage pregnancy. And, and so there are some things that are kind of like a baseline that uh, you know, no matter what your personal beliefs are, biology is biology. This is how right. this happens. 
And right. so even um, now, like when Dr. Sidel Ross was saying that, that when she was younger, um, you know, everyone referred to their privates as a Charlie. And so even though like we had different names um, for our private parts when I was younger, I'm very, very, very intentional about um, telling my daughter the proper name. And so if I hear my four-year-old say penis, it is jarring mm -hmm. to hear a four-year-old say penis because I'm still deprogramming, you know, <laughs> how I was raised and yeah. four-year-olds don't talk like that, but I mean, she's giving it the proper name. So for sure, yeah. at a minimum, we should be talking about the biology. We should be um, giving things their proper names and um, letting yeah. children know age appropriately, obviously, um, how things work. Um, as far as like what your beliefs regarding um, sex and when it's appropriate and should it be within yeah. the confines of marriage and those things, those are the conversations that should be left up to the parents. Correct, correct. Yeah, and, and you know, in reference to you saying, telling a four-year-old saying this is my penis and so on, what we're actually raising is a, um, a more exposed, more developed and more educated child. That's it. You know, people need to recognize that. Um, we made reference to teenage pregnancies. And I remember during the years I was growing up in the Caribbean, that was such taboo. And you know, now that I reflect on it, that was on the parents. That was a reflection of your lack of education. You know, your, that was on you. You, 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 you might've put that shame on the because at the end of it, a person's destiny has nothing to do with whether they became a parent during their teenage years or anything. I mean, you can move on and be successful. You don't have to live in any kind of guilt. That was on your parents. If you were taught sex education the proper way and there was no taboo or no, things could have turned out differently, you know? And a lot of times those parents don't take responsibility for the role they play or didn't play in that outcome. So I just wanted to say that. Um, on a totally unrelated matter, because we're running out of time, I wanted to talk about wildcard section this week. I, we, we're just going to have one wildcard topic, and I want to choose it because I was so deeply inspired by this new um, series on Netflix called My Unorthodox Life about this Jewish woman who left Monsee, New York um, at the age of 43. And I think that was just seven years old, based on her age now. With she was an absolute traditional um, fundamentalist, as she describes herself. This is not these are my words. And this woman, and and this is a message for a lot of our women who are probably going through something right now. They're looking at bosses on this platform and other platforms and saying, "Well, it's too late for me. I can't do this." And this woman left Monsey, New York, at 43 years old. I mean, she, I have been binge watching this all weekend and she inspired me and became a boss. She's the C, she's not the CEO, CEO of, I believe, Elite Modeling Group, which is one of the largest modeling. It's actually Elite World Group, which is the agency where all the top models go through. And she has become a multimillionaire. She now has a, a, um, a reality series on Netflix. And it shows, it describes everything. It talks about what women in in those types of cultures go through, can't drive, can't wear pants. And this is happening today, right there in New York City and other parts of the world, where women have to stand behind, know your place, 
this woman actually had, to put it in context of our topic today, sex versus intimacy, did not experience an orgasm with any of her four children in her marriage, became acquainted with self-sexual -ex exploration after leaving at 43, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She's such a boss. Her name is Julia Hart. And I want to encourage everybody to follow, to, to check out Netflix and check out this series because it really gives you an insight again as women. We're from different parts of the world, different cultures, different religion, but we kind of all go through the same thing. It's just up to us what we're going to put up with. So I wanted to share that with you all and everybody else who's listening, our viewers and our, our listeners, check it out, My Unorthodox Life. It's, it's eye-opening. There are parts of it that made me feel sad and other parts that totally inspired me. And I'm like, she's 43 and she went and now she's a boy? Yo, I can do anything I want, you know? And that's what I got out of it. Mm -hmm. um, again, I just want to point out that what I love about this podcast is our women love different parts. Lesnia Bailey is in DC. Dr. Williams is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go check out her practice. Piedmont Dentistry, mm -hmm. is it? Is that the correct yeah. term? That's what it is. Yes. And, <laughs> and I mean, the information on everybody's or details, you yeah. can, their links to their Instagram, everything is in the body of this, the article associated with this broadcast. So if you want to find them, you have no excuse. Full disclosure is on our site. Dr. Ross is in Parmas, New Jersey. And Dr. Marie Robbie is coming to us live from Columbia University because she's going to work. And you soon hear the sirens again. And of course, Dr. Stephanie is in New Jersey as well. And um, these women are phenomenal. Go check them out on their various social handles, all of which would be in the body of this article. Um, you know, ladies, all good things must come to an end. I wish I could stay with you forever, but you all know how long this has been for us. Um, you know, this is what I try to do every week. I try to bring you the most outstanding women from around the world. You know, this platform, we're just getting started. It's a revolution. I want to leave you with this. Surround yourself with women who will lift you up. If anybody's trying to do otherwise, you need to put them on ice. Everybody has the right to happiness. You are who you think you are. It is never too late to create the life you want. Most of us surround, most of all, sorry, surround yourself with happy people because unhappiness is contagious. What people are saying about you is not your business. Remember to be careful what you say about each other because it takes one to know one. Ladies, to quote our son, Russell has autism. You did a great job, son. <laughs> Thank you for watching, guys. Thank you for listening. It's your girl, Basha. Until next time, remember that happiness heals. We're out. Ciao. Bye.